Welcome to Careers and Mental Health Conversations. This is the podcast where we discuss career counselling, career guidance, mental health awareness and mental health training in the workplace. With your hosts, Patrick, Sally, Tina and Amy. Welcome to episode one of the Careers and Mental Health Conversations podcast. My name is Patrick and I'm joined today by my co-host, Tina Winchester, who is our Director of Mental Health Services. Welcome, Tina. Hi, Pat. Thanks very much. Well, we thought we'd just start off the series by introducing ourselves and letting people know a little bit more about us. And I'll start by introducing you. I mean, you've got 25 years experience working in mental health services, both here in Australia and the UK. Uh, Tell me a little bit about why you decided to pursue a career in mental health. Well, I always had an interest in um, in mental health and mental illness, and I actually started my career when I was 17. Um, I began working at an old Victorian hospital in Maidstone, Kent, where I'm from, and um, services were really different then to the way that they are today, but I um, was absolutely fascinated from the minute I walked through the door of the old hospital until I left in 2007. So I guess the passion was always there, the interest was always there, but the passion just grew. The more involved I got in services and service provision, um, the more interested I became. And I actually started my career as a shorthand typist. So I was working in a social work department as a shorthand typist and knew from the minute really that I started working there that I was going to do this and I was going to do it well. That uh, ignited a little flame for you in in the mental health services, uh, I guess, um, sector or industry. Completely. And it was the people that I worked with and the people that mentored me and the patients and the clients that really sparked my interest. You must have seen a lot of changes over the years working with uh, the, is it the NDIS or NHS in UK? Yeah, the National Health Service. So I've even seen changes. I even saw significant changes in the NHS over the years. But ultimately, the thing that, that never changed was the passion of the people that I worked with to, to care for the most vulnerable people out there, you know, the clients and patients that were coming into hospital or, or moving onto the community and living their lives with their families. And fast forward to to now, obviously, we're in an extremely different world from 25 years ago in terms of awareness and education out there about mental health. What what excites you about the industry that you work in today? Um, It is the conversations. It is the, I, I can see how far we've come with reducing stigma and discrimination around mental health problems and people understanding that it's not a them and us thing. It is all of us that, that are at risk of or will develop some kind of a mental illness. So the conversations make me excited. The awareness in workplaces makes me excited because we spend most of our time at work than we do at home. And it's the empathy that I think um, I enjoy the most as well. People are empathising with the, the situations that, that occur with mental illness. Now, you're actually running some workshops uh, in and around uh, Brisbane, where we're, where we're stationed. You run mental health first aid courses. You're out there training uh, businesses. What are you seeing out there in, in the industry at the moment? What, uh, what, what are you noticing from a business point of view in regards to mental health? I think the most significant thing that I've noticed is that employers, managers, HR professionals, health and safety professionals are realising that this is something that isn't going away. It is an issue in everybody's workplace. And the important thing to remember about mental illness is if it's left untreated, it can become quite 
a major issue. But if we um, put early intervention strategies into place to care for people before they become very unwell, the outcomes are good. And that means good in terms of the, the care and the support that the individual with the mental health problem receives, but also in terms of things like uh, people going on long-term sick leave, and that's going to cost an employer, or even litigation if they've failed to um, adhere to their responsibilities. Do you think our governments are doing enough in regards to creating more awareness and and training and courses for mental health? I think it's better than it was, um, but mental health isn't a vote winner. And I've said this for years. This has been a message that I've said. Mental health is not a vote winner. It's the Cinderella services. People are more likely to um, be impressed by the money that's put into cancer services, and rightly so, or children's services, and rightly so. But the third leading disability burden on Australia is mental health. And that falls behind um, cardiovascular disease and cancers. So this is costing the country economically um, and it's costing the country in terms of disability as well. So I think they're, they're doing better, but there's a long way to go. It almost feels like it's a bit of a taboo topic. Everyone knows it's around. No one wants to be the person who puts it forward. What, what encourages me is I do see a lot of sports stars coming out now. A lot of ex-politicians will come out now and, and look at Jeff Kennett. At, at, he was the, the director of Beyond Blue. It feels like people, once they're removed from the immediate spotlight, are happy to discuss it, and rightfully so. It feels like the current politicians, like you said, not a vote winner, maybe let's just avoid the topic at all costs. Yeah, people just, they don't like talking about it. They, they really don't because um, sadly the, the misconception and myths around mental illness is that it's a weakness in some way or that we can pull our socks up and just get on with it. And um, socks have nothing to do with mental health. We can't pull our socks up and, and walk off a broken leg and we can't pull our socks off socks up and walk off a mental illness so I think that that's it. the misconceptions are what's um, what needs to be addressed and that's going to be part of our job is keep pushing the positive messaging out there but it's okay to to ask for help it's okay as a business to raise your hand and say I've got employees with with mental health I think it's probably worrying that if, you, if you're not in the modern day and age saying you need help but I guess that's harder than it than it seems you know easier said than done um, based on that are enough businesses out there looking after their employees the right way in regards to training and awareness for mental health? Some and some. I think it depends on the industry. I mean, one of the, the, the best kind of um, implementations that I've been aware of since I've been in Australia is um, Mates in Construction, for example. Really great kind of initiatives there to support people in the construction industry, which is an industry predominantly that's, that's, that's males and male dominated. And we know that men aren't very good about talking about their physical health, let alone their mental health and their emotional health. There are a lot of progressive businesses out there. I do find that businesses that are run by um, people of a uh, younger generation, for example, will, will embrace the need for mental health wellbeing and support. But there are some businesses that simply um, sweep it under the carpet and think that it's not it doesn't affect us and you know mental health isn't just about developing um, emerging illnesses such as depression and anxiety it's about life events as well it's about people relationships breaking down it's about bereavement it's about you know loss of all kinds moving house I mean there's so many different uh, life events that we go through and our mental health will no doubt be affected by it and that's why it's so important to support people early on when we understand about what's going on in their lives. I think what's really important to note is that just because someone 
appears to be highly successful or really with it or very, very uh, good at their job or running a business, for example, that they've got everything going on inside uh, 100%. When the reality is uh, you can have a mental health illness and you know try and put on a brave face. I mean, look at James Packer, for example. He's unfortunately just come out very recently this year and taken time off from running uh, a few of his ventures. Now, from the outside looking in, you, you wouldn't think he would have a mental health illness. He just looks so organized and with his business and his life. But, uh, I mean, it doesn't discriminate. No, absolutely. And you can't tell by looking. That's that's the thing. You can't. And we're really good at masking mental health problems. And, that, and I'm glad you raised that because an important thing to know around mental illness is just because you struggle at one point in your life, it doesn't mean you're going to struggle forever. So even if you have a, a time in your life when you're struggling with your mental health and you, and you reach out for help, and obviously we encourage everybody to do that, it doesn't mean that you're going to be labelled as a mental health client for the rest of your life. People get better. And, and, and sometimes people will just have one episode in their life when things is really tough and um, support is needed and everything else from there on in, um, no other issues. It, it doesn't mean that you're labelled forever. Now... I was lucky enough to sit in your recent two-day mental health uh, First Aid Australia course, which was uh, fantastic. It really opened up my eyes, and and obviously it's one of your passions. I know we're going to speak about this in more detail in, in future episodes. Can you give us a brief overview of that course and and what its objectives are and, and who's it suited to? Yeah, it's a fa- it really is a fabulous course. It's the best course I've come across in all of my um, my time in mental health that, that is so good at raising people's awareness of mental health uh, and the issues surrounding it and how to have conversations with people. So Mental Health First Aid was um, first developed in about uh, 2000 and uh, it's Australian born. Uh, it's delivered in 22, 23 countries across the world now. And it's based on the same premise or along the same lines as physical first aid in that it teaches the skills and responses to people that are um, experiencing maybe emerging mental health problems or are even in a mental health crisis. So it's the steps that we take to support someone um, and get them to professional help. And I think like you told me a little while ago, like, a lot of businesses and workplaces have a physical first aid officer, but why aren't we addressing having a mental health health first aid officer? And this course really, really does help with that, I think. I mean, you get a certificate of completion at the end, and it really just opens your eyes to the not only the different types of illnesses out there, but how you can help yourself or an employee address those and, and cope with that. And I find that really amazing, to be honest. Yeah, and that, that that's important to know too. People think that addressing mental health in the workplace means knowing what to do if somebody has a complete breakdown and sobs in the corner, rocking backwards and forwards in the fetal position. That That is only one part of, of severe and enduring illness. Most common mental illnesses do not present in that way. And it'll be things like underperformance or changes in character um, or, or you know just noticing things that you can't quite put your finger on that, that give us an example of somebody becoming unwell. It isn't all about howling at the moon. Like we see in the movies, for example, I think a lot of people have this 
uh, perception that you know you're going to get carried off in a straitjacket because you open up to your boss or you confide in a, a fellow employee. It's just simply not the case. No, exactly. And I read a really interesting article recently on somebody talking about the difference between physical health and mental health in the workplace. And um, and it, it, the example was given is that somebody had their first panic attack over the weekend, never experienced a panic attack before, never had any mental health problems. And this isn't uncommon to just experience a panic attack out of what appears to be nowhere. Um, so absolutely terrified by this panic attack, thought that they were dying, really, really intense. Um, and the after effects kind of stayed with this person until they went into work on Monday. They rock up at work on Monday morning and somebody says to a colleague, oh, how was your weekend? And they say, oh, yeah, good. I had to go to the dentist, so a really sore tooth. It was, you know, it was really bad. They had to go in and, and do all of this work. And I still feel a bit shaky now, but, uh, you know, I'm getting over it. And the colleague says, oh, dear, that sounds really awful. And then says to the, the person that experienced a panic attack, how was your weekend? They go, oh, it was fine. We'll not have the same conversations. And we should be having conversations around it. Somebody should be able to express that this was really scary for me. It never happened before. I don't really know what to do about it. You have a mental health first aider in the workplace there and you're encouraging open conversations. There would be a perfect opportunity there to offer support and get that person the help that they need. It's a really good example. I think, you know, it's an ongoing battle to reduce the stigma. We are getting there. It's gradual, but, you know... It's, it's going to be a process still ahead, but um, I do recommend that course to anyone who would like to become the mental health first aid officer in their workplace. Now, Tina, you obviously have an extreme passion for mental health services. What excites you about going out and providing workshops and seminars for, uh, for other workplaces in Australia? Uh, the best thing I think about delivering to workplaces is people tend to start, um, you know, when I begin to deliver this information, they're, they're, you know, not looking very interested and this doesn't really apply to me and I'm here because I was strongly encouraged to just come along by my boss. And then when you start talking about it, and you, I can guarantee you every time something that's talked about, depression, anxiety, the signs, the symptoms, and things like panic attacks, suicidal ideation, um, people perk up. And they start to look interested because it resonates with everybody, with all of us. It might not be an individual experience, but it could be an experience of our family members or somebody in our community or in our workplace. Um, and so interest is always peaked. I look out in the audience and I can see people looking up at certain times and then I tend to kind of focus on those issues. I have never delivered anything in the workplace around mental health that hasn't generated discussion. Every single time there's awesome questions that come from people um, to, because they're starting to realise that actually this is directed at me and it is directed at my family and this isn't something that we should hide away. And it just takes off in one person to start the conversation or ask the right question and all of a sudden you see the room sort of light up and it becomes a topic that everyone wants to share something on. They either have had something happen to themselves or someone else and and I think it's just getting that first conversation underway a lot of the time and, and then, yeah, like you said, people just, just sort of zero in and really want to share their stories, which must be great for you to, to sort of hear that and be able to help people like that. Oh, I, I, lo I love the bars that, that, that people have at the end of it, you know, and knowing that there, there are people out there that take away with them a little bit more knowledge and understanding and knowing that it's possible that they actually will take themselves off to their GP and say, look, I haven't been feeling so well. I thought it was physical, 
but I'm now beginning to wonder if there's something else going on and I want to talk about how I feel and see you know what, what what's out there to help me or even just going back into their families and saying you know I heard this this workshop and discussion today and it was really interesting it was talking about mental health and did you know that you know, one in four, one in three people experience mental health problems uh, in the course of any given year. And three to four days um, sick, le- sick leave is taken um, each month for untreated depression. Did you realise it was that many people? And it just gets people talking about it. Which is really important. I know you're a big advocate for companies having employee assistance programs. For those people who don't know what they might be, can you just give us a real quick overview of what an employee assistance program is and why business should consider introducing it for their employees? Yeah, absolutely. So employee assistance programs are programs that we put in place with organisations and they're specific to each each different business and organisation to provide mental health support in the workplace or to employees. So our services are delivered by qualified counsellors, psychologists, and uh, can be on an as-needs basis or contractually over um, a particular um, time frame. And uh, it's to support employees with any issues relating to their uh, mental or emotional health. So it, it may be that somebody's experiencing some um, something very difficult in their personal life, like a loss, for example, or it could be around um, workplace issues. So it could be around relationships with other people or stress management or, or building skills in resilience. It could be anything to do with your, your emotional and mental health problems. Right. Well, Tina, I know you've got a lot of passion for mental health. You've obviously been in the industry for a long time now and, and you still have as much fire in you to deliver those seminars and courses and training as, as probably you did 25 years ago when you first started out. So I think it's very admirable. Over the course of the this season and the next few episodes, we're going to talk to people who also uh, you know, are associated with mental health services. You're going to be giving away, I guess, uh, advice for employees, employers. We'll take questions as well, we'll answer those. So we're going to get through a lot over the next few podcast episodes, but I think it was great to find out more about you uh, this, this episode, and obviously we'll continue on and meet the rest of the team as, as we go along. So thank you for coming on the first episode of the Careers and Mental Health Conversations podcast. Thank you, Pat. It's been a pleasure. I could talk about it till the cows come home. And we'll be talking a lot more in the future for sure. Thanks, Tina. No worries. If you enjoyed this podcast and you would like us to appear in your feed, please hit the subscribe button and you're also welcome to leave us a review. For more information, visit careerdevelopmentcentre.com.au.